Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Raymond Dorval, backstep firefighter for the past 14 years in Miami-Dade Fire Rescue on Busy Engine 7, creator of the cadre group Way of the Nozzle, passionate about teaching others to love the craft and to never give up. Also recently promoted lieutenant now riding Rescue 202. With that, I present Mr. Raymond Dorval. All right. Name is LaFontaine Dorval. Uh, pretty much uh, the fire service at the first, I mean, the plan was after high school was go to the military. That was the plan. Uh, but um, my, my family was like a little rough patch. Brother had got arrested, went to jail. Um, that was a really hard time for my mother. So it was a, an emotional moment. Uh, a lot of stuff were going on. And um, I knew going to the military, leaving her behind and stuff like that would be a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. my cousin was my cousin had um ventured into the fire service pretty much me and him are the same age and stuff like that and um i started doing research in the fire service like at 18 started putting applications and stuff like that and it took a little while but um you know after that um it was it was just that and i just fell in love with the fire service uh going through a civilian academy that was just a it was a quite an experience to shell shock because i didn't know what i was getting into first of all Mm-hmm. My cousin would tell me stories and like, this is it. You know, at first I thought, at, at first I thought we, we didn't run medical calls. And then, and then I, when I found out, I was like, what, you know, but, um, but yeah, man, I got the, through the journey. My cousin works for Port St. Lucie. Okay. And, you know, he was always in my ear about it. Uh, yeah. 19, I put in and I got picked up at 22 or 23, something 20, 22 or 23. I got picked up. Okay. Yeah, and that was the that was my course to get into the fire service. Okay, so it took you a couple times to get with Miami Dade, pretty much. Um, it took me uh, three and a half or four years to get on. Okay, with Miami Dade, um, I did put in with other departments, but um, I put in for my cousin's department, but I didn't pass the, I didn't pass the civil service test. Mm. Yeah, so, but I mean, it was destined. I passed a couple other tests, but by the yeah. time I got picked up. I already had got picked up for Miami-Dade. A couple of the departments were calling me, City of Miami, uh, Hialeah, but I was already hired. So. Okay. All right. I, cause I, um, I have some friends that are on the, on my department down here that are from Florida, one in particular. And he told me it's super competitive to get yeah. into a, into a department in Florida. You got 10,000 people that line up to uh, put in an application. I remember my application day, where everything was still paper and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you had mm-hmm. to actually show up in person to an office. And uh, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a way to get around. So I got dropped off the first time to drop my paperwork and I had left something at home. So then I had to catch a bus, go back home, catch a bus, get back down, turn it in. Um, I mean, 10,000 people line up for this job. And when they when they picked me up, they they hired about um, five, 600 people. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super competitive. Cause he was like, if you don't have your paramedic, I know a lot of departments down South in Florida, they look at paramedic uh, pretty heavy. He's like, most of the time you got to have that. If you speak a different language that helps, but he was just saying it's just super competitive to get on. 
Well, Dade County is uh, Dade County and Hialeah Fire Rescue probably the two municipalities that actually allow you to get on with just your high school diploma. So we um, okay. we will we will hire um, you know civilians that just have that just to continue to make it um, not just competitive but at least give the persons that didn't have opportunity to go to school a chance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, did I have the funds to continue to go to school? If you didn't, maybe we could you know get you in with just your high school diploma, put you to EMT school and fire. And mm -hmm. everything else, hopefully you can work up to put yourself through paramedic school. Okay. Okay. Um, how would you say the culture is within Miami-Dade regarding pride training, calls, and camaraderie? So down here in Miami, man, it's uh, in Miami-Dade, my department per se. Um, the culture is, is, uh, is good. I mean, so we consider ourselves uh, as like we have three departments, North, Central, and South depending right. on where you go. So, I mean, you might find scattered stations that have a unique pride in their truck uh, ownership and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, with the members and camaraderie, they built that, but you're not going to find it everywhere. It's too many stations, too many houses. And um, some houses are very slow. Um, some houses don't stop. Don't stop. They don't stop. So what you'll find is uh, the busy houses have the most pride. They have the most pride and, uh, you know, we continued like at station two or station seven, we cook together three meals a day. We eat together. We train together every, every shift. And we got pride in ownership, pride in the truck, pride in the house and pride in everything that we, we do, the tools, anything, you know, but um, that's scattered throughout the department. So we have um, battalions like the fifth battalion, battalion four, battalion three. Um, those battalions really rep real hard. And I know battalion 10 has great pride in ownership, but um, it's scattered. Um, as far as the culture right now, we're going through a massive culture change with uh, uh, we're actually now we got a, a lot of young guys, mm -hmm. a lot of young guys are coming in. And um, right now, the way we're doing recruit training, it's really hammering home being involved and being uh, physically, physically in shape. We're trying to bring realistic training. We're trying to go ahead and make sure they understand what it is that they're getting themselves into before they get out there. And everything is high speed. So when they get out there, they're actually trying to change the culture within a station. So it's up to them. You know what I mean? So right. it's up to them to go ahead and enact change and building that camaraderie within the station. If you can't, you just got to keep going, keep moving. Right. Okay. Um, it just, it just hit me that you said, uh, engine seven, I'm pretty sure I follow their Instagram page and every day you see a different group stretching lines, practicing different ways to stretch lines, whether yeah. it's out on a stairwell uh, close proximity to a door. Mm -hmm. So that's where you were originally at, right? Station seven. Yeah, station seven. Liberty City. You should follow Liberty City. Um, yes, I do. Yes. All right, yeah, because they're they're constantly doing stuff as well. Um, so those two houses has pretty much been um they molded, they molded me. They molded me. So I mean, between those two houses, I've spent about 14 years. So um, you know, being in that type of situation. A lot of people won't do it because it's a, uh, they're busy. Mm -hmm. They train mm -hmm. and you, you're going to be tired. You're going to be tired. And um, I remember when I first got the rescue two rescue two bid, um, I was a still, I just got off of probation and I couldn't keep a, I couldn't keep an officer. I couldn't keep a partner because it was just, it was beat your head and you're going to come in. It's just madness. So you got to prepare just to run calls day in and day out. If you see the, if you see your bed, you'll be lucky. Well, you know what I find funny though is when speaking about pride and 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 having you know pride in your station and your trucks and everything else, it's always the busy stations 
that that have that. Mm-hmm. You can have the slow stations that don't run much, and the stations look like crap. Trucks looks like crap, but the the busy stations that are running calls day in day out have the most pride. And, and something I, I never fathom, I could never fathom because it's just when, when you look at like a slow company and they're sloppy, it's like what have y'all been doing all day? But a busy station running 25, 30 calls a shift. Yeah. Everything's top notch. I just, it's just, it, it amazes me how that occurs. It, it is. It's pretty, it's crazy because they'll ask you, how are you guys able to, to cook dinner? Right. Easy. Easy. Just, just make it happen. Make it happen. We could eat dinner at nine o'clock, but we eat dinner together. Um, so you just make it happen. And uh, these guys are, these guys are amazing, man. So, you know, at the station. No, the the work ethic shows um, for sure on their page. I mean, always doing something, stretching lines in gear. Sometimes they're not stretching lines in gear, but whoever uh, the personnel at that station are always moving. And I find it, it's fantastic. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about Miami-Dade, like the size, how many stations roughly? Um, Roughly, we just have under 80 stations. Okay. About 2,500 firemen. Okay. Um, And uh, it's pretty big. Like uh, you can go your entire career and not meet meet someone, you know. I, oh, it's crazy how I could go work uh, overtime down south, and I'm like, and they're like, "Hey, how long you been on?" I'd be like, 15 years." They're like, "Wow, I've never seen you before." Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's the craziness of working with a big department, and then you can go down south and it's rural, and then you can go up north where you have a whole bunch of high rises, and you're like, "Man, I got to get out of here because I don't know how to operate." I've been over here dealing with grass fires and come over here, take overtime. And now you got to deal with high rises. So it's like a big difference. So it's, you know, we got a lot, we offer a lot um, between the fire boat, um, technical rescue, hazmat suppression, um, air rescue. There's a lot of avenues that you could take within the department. So, I mean, it's very advanced. A lot of things that, you know, we'd like to see go the right way, but it starts with, uh, with us and recruit training and uh, making sure we impact the, the youth that's coming in. Awesome. Awesome sauce. All right. All right. Um, what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving this job? <laughs> uh, so as I, I like to say every third day we build bonds and we we break bread with our brothers and sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Every third day at the firehouse. We solve the world's problems at the kitchen right. table. Right. Uh, the bonds get stronger than most occupations. Um, I'm invested in the members, man. I love teaching and spreading the gospel and uh you know, every now and again, you know, who doesn't like running into a burning building? Everybody's running out. Um, that's yeah. that's it. I, I appreciate it. And I love riding backwards. That was it. I loved it. I love riding backwards, man. And just jumping out, trying to, you know, enact change and um, just, you know, try to make a grab. Who doesn't want to make a grab? Right. Um, not for the notoriety or anything like that, but who doesn't want to see a, save a life? Who doesn't want to save a life and try to do something like that? I mean, that's what we signed up for ultimately, man. That's the ultimate goal. So, uh to continue to love the job is easy for me because I, I continue to, I want to spread the message. My message has been the same, man. It's uh, you before me, you know, if I could mm-hmm. continue to train and mold minds and um, uh, molding minds has been one of my biggest mantras as far as me trying to pass it on. I might not have much to pass on, but I'm sure as hell. I mean, you can uh, tell by my work ethic, my character, and I continue to care myself that that might be something big for them. Right. Right. Okay, so I have a question. Um, where did this passion come from that you have for for the way of the nozzle? 
or or just the the passion the passion for the fire service in general man again i have to give all the credit to the to the to the members that molded me man you know the members that molded me within my my growth in the fire service between station 7 2 and all the people that i run across uh so um, you know going through uh through those houses they actually they start impacting you more ways than more ways than um the most or you know you go through these houses and all the stuff they make an impression on you those impressions might build something inside of you that you have no idea. So now your character is being molded by different minds, different possibilities, different areas that um, you may not have ever realized. But I mean, I've been I've been speaking for a long time as a youth, you know, speaking in church, speaking in um, just groups. It didn't matter, but um, it opened me up to uh, me having the realization of uh, training and, you know, getting more in tune with this job, this job that can kill you. Right. You can get on the job the first day and you can actually die. But why not spread that message and let the, the young guys know, hey, this is important. This is important for you to continue to train, continue to mold your mind, continue to be a student of the game forever mm-hmm. until you retire. 30 years, you're out. And that's that's what it is. But um, my passion comes from the members. And um, truly and honesty, man, I do believe that if I could give them something, if I could give them a word or two just to motivate them or, you know, make them move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm moving in a certain fashion, hopefully they can uh, emulate that and, you know, try to go ahead and do that as well. But they want to see you move like that. So um, before you know it, um, when time passes, no one ever tells you you're now the senior man. Nobody ever tells you. It just happens. Right. It just happens. So um, once I started realizing, damn, um, shoot, I think these guys are looking at me like the senior man. Um, you know, you start passing down information and they're coming to you for quite, they're asking you questions and they're looking for answers. Mm-hmm. Got to be ready to answer them. Mm-hmm. Got to be ready to answer them. Been on too long. So you got to continue to be a student of the game. Got to keep passing it on. You can't come to this house or, you know, one of our houses and not be passionate about this job. This job, like I said, you can die on day one. Right. No, nothing's promised, but I'll tell you what <laughs> it's not. What, what is promised is um, you relying on your training. You relying on that training that you got um, in doing the job. We train all day, but we never know when that call is coming in. But when it does, at 3 a.m., you'll be ready to go. You'll be ready to go. But so I deliver my message strong, motivating, and passionately all the time. No, it definitely shows. I, I've heard, uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen a clip for you. You were teaching a summer crew class, or you might have been doing one of your conference teachings. And the way you speak to get the other members fired up. It's, it's awesome because unfortunately and sadly we have people in this profession that just sign up because they see the, how many days you work a month, the pension, yeah. the, the, the benefits, you know, they look at the package that comes with it, but they truly don't understand. People are calling us. People are calling us on their worst day yep. and we have to show up ready to go we can't be fumbling the bag by stretching the line wrong or not throwing that ladder right to get to the second floor or second story window so it's it, it amazes me to this day we we still have individuals in this profession that look at that look at the fire service as a joke you can't you and you will never will never stop that there's gonna be people that always get on to hide um and again as being as a recruit instructor myself you'll see it in the academy the, the, the guys or guys or gals that come in and they're just, you know, sir, they're going to give you uh sir. Yes, sir. Ma'am, ma'am, miss, ma'am sandwiches all day. But you can tell if you're a good people reader who that person is going to be. 
Mm-hmm. You, already, you already know. You already know they're going to find some place to hide. And that's it. They're just going to be a detriment to the department and liability. So they're going to find some place to hide and just, you know, hold their heads down. And hopefully they don't get that call. Now, as an instructor, if you do see that individual, and I'm not trying to like, you know, put you in a, in a bad corner here, but like, does Miami-Dade look at that? Or do the higher-ups, does the training captain or training division chief go, okay, we don't need this individual? Thanks, but no thanks. So, unfortunately, my department has gone with quantity over quality. So it's, it's like, a like a lot game, of right? others. Yeah. They just yeah. want bodies in the seats, just bodies. So it's a numbers game. And um, I hate to say it's some, some aspect I understand, but at some point in time, somebody's going to get hurt. Right. Somebody's going to get hurt. And I, I, I um, we've been saying we're more lucky than good. Mm-hmm. We're lucky than good because now we're going to have to be reliant on someone that is not proficient with the job. Mm-hmm. Someone that is not up to par with our standards. Um, so it's almost as if we've lowered our standards, right? Lowered our standards to make sure that they get through their past, their performance objectives, get through. Okay. You'll never have to do this again. That's a lie because it's harder out there than it is in here and on the training ground. So mm-hmm. but, um, again, I, I like, uh, like I said earlier, we build bonds, we break breads. Um, and that's where you build bonds inside of the firehouse. But um, the trust, we, you build that on the fire ground. You build that trust on the fire ground. So um, if you can't um, execute on the fire ground, I mean, it's cool to get a beer with you, but I don't know if I want you on my truck to the left or the right of me. I, I, well said. I can't argue that. And being an instructor, because uh, I tell myself and I tell the other firefighter I work with, like, hey, we're going to go out and do this either at the training center or behind the station. It's okay to fail here because this is where you want to fail so you can learn from it. But Absolutely. you don't you don't want to do it on the fire ground when you got people counting on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And failure, man, failure is a gift, man. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not. There was a, a speaker that he said, OK, it's good. You failed. Stay down for a little bit. Right now, you got to soak that in. Mm-hmm. Soak that in. Take that. in. why did you fail? How did you fail? What caused you to get there? Now, get up get up and get after it because that's your opportunity. That's your opportunity to get better. But how are you going to get better? How are you going to master the skill? Repetition. Mm-hmm. Repetition. You got to get the reps in. High quality reps. You may not be able to get it on duty, unfortunately. Um, you might have to actually do something when you get off. And now that's taking up part of your day. Right. But does it, does it matter that much to you? Does it matter to you? Repetition. You got to get the reps in, high quality reps. If you if you truly want to be a student of this this job, and uh, make a difference, got to got to get them in. I, yeah, okay. So you were a backstep firefighter for about fourteen years. Um, what finally triggered, or or when did you decide? You know what? I'm ready to go to the next level. And like I said, congratulations on your recent promotion to lieutenant. But what, like, what happened? Was it, was, was it, okay, I think I've had enough years and experience sitting backstep that I'm ready to lead up front? Or was it somebody that works with you that go, hey, man, I, I think it's time? So that's crazy because after getting promoted, um, that question has been asked over and over, like, why now? Mm-hmm. You know, you wait, I built up all this seniority to get trucks that, 
you know, a lot of, a lot of guys have to wait a long time to get right. Kind of like throw that away, not throw it away per se, but just you move on now you're back, you back at the bottom, mm-hmm. bottom of the totem pole now. So why now? I mean, so sometimes uh, as far as my belief is, is, you know, if you want to enact change in a leadership role, some members, members may look at you differently with the bugle. Right. So um, me noticing that and other people believing in me and saying to me that um, this step would be most beneficial for you. But obviously, I put that to the backside for a long time, mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, I will never know everything as a backstep firefighter, nor did I. Right. Um, but I continue to be a student of the of the job. Um, continue to read and dissect um, all the information that I can. And um, this step was a uh, matter of factly for anybody that I can go ahead and see if I can touch and mold their minds, motivate them to be bigger than this. It's more than just a fire service. It's a human, it's a human thing. So for me, the message can be passed on um, in this role much more effectively than the role as a backstep. The backstep firefighter can go ahead and enact change in um, the guys in the back. Mm-hmm. sometimes he can even go ahead and, um, you know, play a role as uh, somebody that can guide the, the officer. Right. But, but um, how, how, how far is his reach? How far is his reach? So the bugle for me allows me to go ahead and um, speaking from a position, um, not to say power, but speaking from a position, a level of supervisory um, that they might look to differently. Mm-hmm. Not that I care about that so much as far as how they look at me, but how they receive the message. So when I go now, you know, I speak at a couple of places and they say, Lieutenant Dorval, it holds a, holds a different type of weight. Right. Oh, absolutely. It holds, yeah, it holds a different type of weight. So when they bring you out outside of saying firefighter, because we'll all be firemen for the, for the tenure of our, you know, mm-hmm. throughout our career. It's just another step that might just propel um, the message. Okay. Okay. So with that, with you being a, a fire officer now, um, I've, I've actually uh, started asking two, two extra questions. Um, Cause I just, I just want to hear um, from a, from a fire officer's perspective. So my first question is, do you believe communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to be successful? Absolutely. From the ground. Okay. We're foot soldiers. You know that. Mm-hmm. You know that we're foot soldiers. Communication starts on the ground. Grounds a boost on the ground. The message has to be passed all the way up. So the communication, that's a must, man. And in a relationship, you're talking about going home. You know what I mean? Communication is key in everything that we do throughout our whole entire lives, regardless of what profession you're in. But the message gets lost. Um, you, you know, you tell a phone, you tell a fax, you tell a fireman before you know it, that one message, it's been muddled. Facts. And muddled. So by the time it gets all the way to the top, it's not even the same message. It's not even the same message. But that's why, you know, they say we got closed loop communication. Repeat the message back, back to sender, receiver. Hey, um, whatever. Rescue 202 understood. Uh, my assignment's roof, 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 whatever, roof work. But by the time that message gets over there, they forget how the dialogue is supposed to happen. It's supposed to be closed loop communication. But doesn't happen by that because now they have to go in and decipher the message and they make their own message up. The mm-hmm. agenda has been obscured. Mm-hmm. All right. So this service has been done to the fire, fire department 
in a whole, man, because communication is not is lacking and we don't we don't got that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm looking at it. It goes both ways from the top or from the bottom top, but it also needs to come from the top down. And yep. it needs to make sure that the message is not lost in translation because that seems to happen a lot. And what I'm trying to say is if, if, if you want a successful department to succeed as a chief, you need to make sure that whatever, whatever, whatever precedence you're trying to set, whatever goal you're trying to meet, make sure it's handed down in the, in the same manner that said chief stated it. Correct. Yeah. Facts. Facts. Okay. Facts. But I mean, everybody that the once the message is delivered back down the chain of command, everybody has to follow suit. Because once I identify one of those uh, chiefs not following suit on the fire chief's message, that's a break in the chain. So now some members may take that as, ah, he's not doing it. Why should I? So, I mean, um, that's a big deal because once you have a high standing ranking member not actually standing by the objective, that's a, that's a bad sign for the department in a whole. All right. Uh, my last officer type question. Uh, do you believe in order to affect change within your department, you need to promote? No. Like your opinion. Okay. No. Yeah. You do not need to promote, man. I mean, there's so many guys that on the job that I look up to that are just firemen, mm-hmm. just firemen, man. And I could follow them anywhere. I trust them. I trust them, man. And uh, just last shift, I was working with uh, a driver over here, engine two. They put me on the engine that day. Um, Billy McCann, that brother's been in my career since I've been on. And I can just go on his every word. If, if I'm running as a new officer, I already told him, hey, Billy, this is your show, man, because truly and honestly, man, you know more than I do. Now, if there's something that you see, please let me know. Obviously, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to overstep. Right. But at the same time, I don't I don't play that overstep game. You're the most knowledgeable member on this truck. I need you. You're a resource. You're a resource. And there's a lot of firemen that I just idolize because of their, their mental capacity and their pride and ownership on this job. So just because of that, I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to have a bugle to enact change. You don't. And that's in every aspect of life, man. Some people might not, might not actually look towards you, but it's funny what the bugle does right? Um, to uh, other people when they look at you and how they speak to you, man. Um, the, first, the first shift I worked as an officer, I was like, this is kind of weird. You know, mm-hmm. because some people that never actually talk to you say good morning now. So, but um, I always prided myself on that, spreading the message as a fireman. Okay. Know, forever, forever and always, but you don't have to be an officer. No. Okay. Um, number one, that just goes to show you humility, man. Cause I mean, you know, I know nowadays and actually I'm not going to say who it was, but I spoke to an individual yesterday who's, who's in a pretty, pretty decent sized department. And he's like, man, we, you know, we got, we got guys promoting left and right. And when you ask him what, what the reason is money. Uh, and to me, that's just one of the worst excuses <laughs> yeah. to, to, to why you want to get promoted. Oh, I, I want to become a captain because it pays more. Like, yeah, no, really? No. Yeah. Like who cares? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying in, in this day and age, money does, does, Factor in, yeah. Yeah, factor in. It helps your family. But we all know we got into the fire service not for the money. You know what I mean? So I just I just love your humility where, you know, you said you got on the truck and you looked at that the that senior 
member and like, hey man, you know, this is this is your ship. You know more than I do. And I'm looking looking to you as a resource because man, we got a lot of people, man, when they get that bugle, it's over. Something a breaker oh, yeah. trip. They are over everybody. You cannot talk to them. And it's like, what <laughs> no. is going on? Yeah, no, man. I'm I'm extremely humble. I'm open to learning, man. And uh, you know, a lot of these guys that are were on that truck that day were my probies. You know, but some of them, they've been going to conferences, they've been learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that specific truck, they know more about that truck than I do. I had one guy just walk me around the truck and talk to me about everything on the truck. Okay. And, you know, I was blown away by his message. Some uh, good amount of things I didn't know and some things I did it. And I was open and willing to learn from a guy who's only been on for six, seven years. Awesome. So that, that's amazing for me because um, when I'm just letting him know, it don't matter um, how long you've been on, you can always teach someone something. Right. You can always learn something from a, a member, regardless of years of service. You might have somebody come from the military that might have something to share about a certain situation that might actually uh, impact one of your calls that you're going. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff matters, man. Don't matter. Rank don't matter. OK. Uh, with you now being pro- promoted to lieutenant, are, are you OK with not having a nozzle when you're on shift? Because now <laughs> now your role is, hey, I need your pointing, you're directing. I need yeah. you to do this. Like, so it, it, yeah. is that, is that a big, is that like a big change for you now? So that's probably been my biggest deal is uh, not being involved. So the guys don't want me to touch anything. So these guys are like, and I've been involved for so long and I'm like, Hey man, mm-hmm. you know, you could see something. You're like, Hey, why don't you do it this way? Or, you know, you're a point man now. And so you step back, bigger picture. I'm still learning from the officers that aren't shift, um, how to step back and actually take that role as far as, um, a true supervisory leadership role and a more guiding role. But, um, but shoot, yesterday I was off shift and um, I met up with some guys at the training center and we flowed water. We flowed water for about two and a half hours, pulled lines. Um, and we did that, you know, I got to flow that line. You still, you know, you're yeah. still going, you're <laughs> yeah, still yeah. going to find a way to get your reps. In, ain't you? Yeah, man. I still got to find a way, you know, Hey, I, I say, Hey man, you got to keep stretching. You got to keep, you know, pulling that hose, hose management, all that stuff. Keep throwing ladders, regardless of your rank, regardless of your position. Keep forcing doors. You don't know when that time might come. You might get lost. You might get separated. Keep, um, you know, using your sledgehammer to get through walls, all that stuff. You never know. You mm-hmm. still need those skills, regardless of your rank. Right. Absolutely. All right. Definitely. They can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question for you. What are your ultimate goals? Ultimate goals, I mean, to continue to be the best husband I can be, to continue to be a great father, you know, to leave behind a legacy for my sons uh, so they can look at it and hopefully align themselves with my message, mm-hmm. to make a stamp on the fire service, uh, to be that uh, constant reminder of why we do it. My message has been clear. It's for them, period. I mean, uh, the ultimate goal, that's it. The ultimate goal is to enact change. How can you enact change? It's through, through voice, verbal communication. Um, spreading the gospel, the message of the fire service, building members up, molding minds, um, mental shifts, man, and make sure you're preaching the balance between your mental status and your physical capabilities. Make sure they understand that stuff. Ultimate goal is just, you know, hopefully leave a legacy behind that they can look at and go ahead and make sure they can um, try to emulate. And um, if we could create a culture change as far as um, members truly investing themselves in training, and trying to impact the guys coming in so that way that department can build and build, that'd be a big deal. 
I mean, I just hope to retire and be um be blessed and you know fall back into the you know in a rocking chair or something <laughs> and just uh, go like that. I I honestly don't think you have to worry about leaving your mark. I'm pretty sure, dude, that you have left a mark already for sure because the the guys I've seen tag you on social media. Um, I know you were on Corley Moore a while back. Uh, yeah. Chris Snow. I mean, just. Just when you uploaded the pictures of your promotion ceremony, the amount of comments and likes, I think you had definitely left a positive influence and mark on the fire service. And that's coming from me. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. And I, I hope so, man. And I, um, not again, I don't care about accolades. Don't care about that stuff. What I care about is the message. So if we have firemen that understand what the ultimate goal is, it's for them. So train like train like your life, depending on because it does, because once you go inside of that burning building, you can go ahead and make a grab and enact change and pull somebody out, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in your opinion, what are key elements or factors needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? That's simple. We're tactical athletes. So we must condition our bodies in preparation for whatever, whatever may come, right? Mental sharpness to be able to make smart, tactically sound decisions. And we must have uh, pride and ownership. Pride embodies the, the love for the men, the house, the truck. Um, ownership, uh, as far as you having uh, ownership in regards to your training, you know, being sound and what it is that you, what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Whatever your objective is, driver, backseat fireman, officer, all that stuff. So you got to be physically capable, mentally prepared and have pride and ownership. Gotta have those things. In regards to being a tactical athlete, unlike uh, being an athlete, these guys know they have a they have scheduled dates, they have arrangements for when those games are. Exactly. We we gotta be ready whenever whenever the tones drop. Mm -hmm. Whenever the tones drop, we gotta be ready. So come three a.m. Are you gonna remember how to pull that line? You gotta remember how to force that door, throw that ladder. Gotta be ready. You gotta be suited for the task. Mental sharpness. Gotta be sharp. Gotta be ready to go. Like I'm at church. It's awesome. Um, what would you say to a hungry, eager, motivated firefighter who feels like he's being held back by either a non-motivated culture or organization? Keep going. Keep going. I'm listening, uh, was listening to Jocko. My cousin had texted me up and she was saying she's feeling down. Um, and uh her her goals are not being met and she's been training for about two to three months. She's not losing the weight that she was supposed to lose all that stuff, but she's still going hard. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jocko goes good. Good. Don't matter. So you're a hungry member. You want that. You want everything that comes with the job, whatever the job entails, everything that you read, the magazines that you read, the conferences that you've been at, you want that. You're hungry for it. But then you go to the house and these members aren't about that. Good. Keep training. Because what's going to happen is someone's going to see that. Someone's going to come outside. Someone's going to come outside. If you can't switch houses because you don't have that, because you're a uh, seniority challenge, so you have to stay there, someone's going to come outside. Someone's going to see you. And someone's going to appreciate that and jump in. Keep going. Don't stop. Can't stop now. Because once you allow that to get inside of your mind, you've been conquered. You've been conquered. Don't let that seep inside of your head that you can't make a difference. Be it that you're out there training for something, 
be that you just throwing a ladder real quick, trying to get members outside. Don't let that seep in your head that this is what the job is. I'm supposed to be a lazy fireman on the, on the couch. It ain't, it ain't. But that's awesome that he's thinking like that or she or he is thinking like that because that lets you know how much, how much they care about this. Damn, man, these guys don't want to train. Good. That's fine. Do you, man. Just keep training. Stay humble on the approach, though. You got to tell some young members, stay humble on the approach because sometimes they get ahead of themselves. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Um, on a typical day, back when you were at Station 2 and even Engine 7, what are you guys running? <laughs> like, call-wise, on, on, on a, just oh, a man. basic so, day. So, easy, 15, 20, 20 calls. Last year, mm-hmm. I ran 24, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about shootings, stabbings. We work in a impoverished neighborhood, impoverished area, right? Right. So, obviously, these areas are... They're going to have high, high crime rates, high, high, um, you know, mortality rates, um, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But man, you get your head pushed in, you get your head pushed in, you better appreciate the beating because come, you, you work uh, every third day. So you go home and actually you wake up and hopefully you recovered because you know, that first day you wake up, is like a recovery day. And the, the next day you got to get ready to go back, get, get that beat in it. Yeah. Um, so a good day might be a good 10 calls, 10, 12 calls is a good day. But we know you got to come with the realistic mindset that you might not get that, man. Come on. You might still get that 20 pounder, man. Get that beat down real quick. Mm-hmm. Get a shooting, stabbing, cardiac arrest. Um, and every now and now again, you know, um, the fire guys look down on us. And, uh, un- you know, not to say that we're looking for fires, but hopefully right. we're there when those fires happen. And, you know, we could put it out and save a house or something. Um, but, yeah, man, <laughs> it's a beat down. Yeah. Uh- how, how many how many personnel are at your your current station? Station two, we have three units. Three, okay. So, so for about 13, okay. 13 or fourteen. Okay. Um, yeah, thirteen or fourteen members at the at the station. Okay, and and everybody's getting kicked in. You said pretty much. Oh yeah, everybody's get kicked in. You'd be lucky. Hold on to your teeth, man, because <laughs> it's coming, man. So. <laughs> Um, all right. Oh, in, in your opinion, what do you think the American fire service can improve on? Um, more realistic fire training, um, properly manning trucks, man, because in regards to the minimum manning, it's a, it's a disservice because seeing online on YouTube where they got two guys trying to do the work of four, it's crazy, man. You're going to, and we end up getting people killed, man. Um, departments holding a responsibility with physical fitness and performance levels. And lastly, man, we got as a whole, we need to make sure we put to the forefront of the, of the conversation is mental health, mental health and first responder PTSD. So that stuff has to be at the forefront, man. As far as the message being spread out, make sure that some of these members that are taking their lives. I know most departments, our department has experienced it where these guys take their lives post retirement. So that's crazy. That's crazy to me, man. So that stuff has to be at the forefront. But the American Fire Service is lacking as far as manning their trucks properly making sure we hold our members accountable physically. Why are you out of shape? Are you supposed to be an out of shape fireman? No, you're not. You're supposed to hold yourself accountable to that standard. You gotta keep it there. But how do we keep it there? It's up top. Just like you said, that communication, that message, where did the message go wrong? When you apply for this job, it says, you have to be physically fit, capable, this, this, that, there were standards. Where did it go wrong 15, 20 years down the line? Why'd you stop? 
So, I mean, we got a lot of work to do, man. So, I don't know if it's going to happen between me and your time, but. Uh, yeah, so. I mean, nowadays we're having to do more with less. And like you stated, uh, I've interviewed several, several individuals that their words pretty much were like, when we get a fire, we're going through just us alone on scene. We're going through two to three bottles. Like yeah, that man. is it's crazy. That is crazy. It is crazy, crazy to think about. We don't, we don't deal with that, but teaching around the country, mm-hmm. it's, it's so when I, when we start teaching what we're doing down here, then they'll ask us, Hey, how do we do that with two guys? And we're like, what? Yeah. You know, we're like, all right, do this. So, and now we're adapting towards our teaching being more towards minimum manning. So now we teach basically for the minimum, minimum amount of staffing, which is crazy. You're going to get people killed, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, something definitely needs to change because you're right about that. It's just that it's not, it's, it's just, it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when, when, yeah, when, of when it's going to happen. Uh, what is Miami-Dade's minimum standards on, on your apparatuses? Four. Four minimum on everything. Oh, on. I, well, minus the ambulance. Oh, yeah, four. Um, the rescues have three. Okay. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, so that's so minimum on three on, on each paramedic unit. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay. And that third guy makes a world of difference, man. Yes, and, uh, it does. And see, I have not experienced it by hearing uh, the horror stories. With the driver being able to stay with the truck and the officer taking two guys, those guys, every time I talk about it, they're like, you guys have it good. Because <laughs> these guys are going in with the officer being the driver, mm-hmm. pumping, sending water, going mm-hmm. back and helping hump holes to get to the second floor of yeah. a wood structure. Yeah. got to yeah. be kidding me, man. I mean, you know, that's what that's what my biggest thing is. Whenever I feel like, you know, I'm down or, or something's beating me up, it's like, listen, we actually have it good here. Granted, it, it it can be better, but man, you look at some of these departments that are operating one guy, two if you're lucky, three on on a good day. Yeah, you know it's the stuff we have to do. And what I can't fathom is okay when you have these two or three manned apparatus and you're out of shape, man. That just makes it even worse on yep. you and your coworkers. I'm telling you, it's not good. It's so. just, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's crazy. But um, I do have one, I guess I could say favor to ask. Uh, could you give like a quick example of a motivational speech? Like if I was a recruit in your, in, in for Miami Dade, I, I've heard you give like, I don't want to call it like a pep talk, but the way you just try to spread the message to give it them, could you give us like a sample of it so others can hear? <laughs> so, so essentially, man, the main thing, what is the message that you're trying to drive home to these guys that come on on day one? And or if they're there for six weeks, seven weeks, and they've been beat down, how can you bring them back up? So essentially, you want to, you want to tear them down right away. Tear them down. Before you cross that line of the sand, I want you to get it through your head what you're about to get through. We have red lockers that they got to go barreling down the hallway to get to the objective before they stand on those, those spots that they got to stand on. So you cross that line of the sand, it's a big deal. You're in my role. For these next four months right now, you only got four walls that you got to rely on. You better make sure you make it out. Make it out. This is the, the realization is right now, we're going to break you down. 
And you better be better be ready for that beatdown mentally. I want everything you got. So I always tell them real quick, um, your physical, your physical traits will not will not define you. Your heart will. How are you gonna make it out of here? How are you gonna make it out of here, regardless of how tall you are, how strong you are? What about your heart? Your mind? What is it that's gonna give you everything that you got to get through this when I tell you you're not ready? Who's gonna pull you out when there's nobody here to save you? Gotta pull yourself out. Gotta make it out yourself. You gotta finish that crawl. You gotta throw that ladder. How can I trust you to sit next to my brother or my sister? You're not ready. You keep telling them that. You keep telling them that and breaking them down until they show you that they're ready, that they can be relied on, that you can trust them to hold the standard. Because we can't let them just walk in there and think, yeah, I'm just going to graduate this. I'm going to get through this. No, nah, man. No, nah, man. This is going to be one hell of a journey for four to six months. This is going to be one hell of a course that you got to go through. And we're going to break you down and build you back up. Hopefully, by the time you're built back up, I like to tell them I'm here to mold minds and make day one firemen. Period. That's it. That's what I was brought in for. And that's the message, man. The message is always clear. It's always clear. That's awesome. Uh, definitely appreciate that for sure. Um, speaking of, what do you teach and where can people who don't know you, how, how can they find you? So like, you know, you could, you could go outside. I, I know you do travel whenever you can uh, teach in classes. So number one, what do you teach and how can, you know, somebody, somebody contact you, a department contact you in case they needed, wanted you to bring you in? So right now we um, do teach uh, engine ops, which is the way to nozzle. Pretty much the way to nozzle encompasses everything from the deployment to packaging, to hose management, to establishing a coil and a small footprint, to uh, moving and flowing, aspects like that, understanding doorman operations, um, as far as your position on the line and moving that line through nonverbal communications and communicating through the hose line and or through a fireman's helmet or something like that. But all that stuff encompasses everything firemen do. I mean, all that stuff, all the things that we're teaching has already been taught. Mm -hmm. Put your spin on it as far as the way I like to share my message. Um, I'm very passionate about when I share my message so they, they can get that slow. I speak slow to them. But one of my favorite things teaching is uh, um, rapping in um, Rick. Okay. So I love that stuff, man. I love throwing ladders. I teach um teach ladders with my boy Mark Michelle. We teach street ladders and just getting down and dirty. But they want to reach out to me, man. Um, go to the way of the nozzle. Just like that on uh, Instagram, Facebook, you can catch me on that or the way to nozzle at uh, Google, um, I believe. Um, sometimes I forget that that email. <laughs> uh, no, you're fine. You're yeah. fine. Uh, it's uh, yeah, the way to nozzle at gmail.com. Okay. So reach out to me there and um, or Instagram. Like I said, you can find me there. Hit me up. I'm pretty good with the responding unless something's going on. Okay. All right. Uh, and I'm pretty sure um, for any North Carolina listeners out there, you're going to be in Burlington, I think, in October or November. Passion for the craft. Yes, sir. Passion for the craft. Man. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm hyped for that one, man. Um, when you hit uh, me up, yeah. Because I think you got, I thought I, th thought I saw like Kurt Isaacson. 
hey, that that lineup is pretty crazy. It's pretty intimidating. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, what? you know, Kirk Eisenstein, Bobby Eckert. I mean, it's 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 crazy. That lineup is insane. And uh, it's it's going to be me just you like, wow, man, can you sign my shirt? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. So like, you know, if, if I were to see you, I would definitely ask for a picture or something like that. I mean, it's yeah. it's the ultimate fanboy. But, dude, people like you, individuals like Kurt, um, like there's so many. I, I don't Dustin Martinez. I, I don't want to like leave anybody out, but Bobby Ecker, all these all these individuals, man, you, you're doing something. You're definitely leaving a mark. And it, it, in a way, it's kind of like you are a celebrity because you're given the, the message you're spreading. You're given the firemen that feels like they're alone out there. You're giving them hope, man, to keep going. So, like, I, I appreciate you for yeah. you and all, everybody else out there for doing what you're doing. Yeah, they gave me goosebumps just now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, it's it's the message for me. It's you before me. So whatever we can pass on as um generational firemen or just um just us i mean coming through this time this generation for us whatever message we can leave anything that we could do to invoke change got to do it now got to do it now so right now don't matter who's invested in the message don't matter who i'm impact or it doesn't matter who i'm impacting but hopefully that message reaches the right person keep passing it exactly that's the gospel man that's the gospel because sometimes you could go to church and that message ain't for you Mm-hmm. But that thing might hit home for somebody. Exactly. And they needed that today. Yep. Absolutely. Even if it's one person out of a, a, a hundred people, yeah, you're, you're making a, you're making that change for that one person. So I that's totally it. get and what that's, you're saying. That's it. The money that I made my money right there. Not actual money. Right. Right. I've made it. So I was able to hit one person. That's good for me. That's good. Mm-hmm. So. No, awesome, man. Um, I appreciate having you on. It, it's it's, I, just by like I said, listening to you, I knew this 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 would be a good one. So I, I do appreciate you taking the time out of your, I'm sure, busy schedule to to do this interview with me, man. It, <laughs> man, it, I'm about I'm about to go clean the, the pool, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it means the world to me, man. I appreciate actually, it. Actually, I'm here waiting for my wife's dress to get delivered. She said, "Don't leave this house." I'm like, "Fine, I I got to do a podcast anyways." Okay. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate it, pal. And I'm sure, I'm sure the, 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 the individuals listening are, are going to definitely get your message for sure. Appreciate that. Thank you, man. Appreciate you for having me, man. And um, it's a pleasure and an honor, man. Extremely humbled um, that you even gave me a shout out um, just to come on. And um, thanks again, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. If any of the listeners out there are, or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.